Welcome to the Silicon Slopes Conversations. Thank you everyone for coming today. We are here with Ivy City. Can you guys introduce yourselves, please? Of course. Hello, everyone. I'm Madeline Hamilton with Ivy City. This is Kendra Stephenson. She'll introduce herself. But um, hi, if you don't know who we are, Ivy City is an e-commerce brand. We make dresses and we ship them all around the world. Um, we make over 20 sizes, which is really cool. We're the first dress brand to ever do that. Um, and so including everyone in the conversation and helping everyone feel seen and feel loved and beautiful is definitely our mission. Um, founded right here in Salt Lake City. Um, I'm a Texan, and that speaks for itself. Yeah, any fellow Texans out there? But um, I've been here 10 years, so I, I think I might say I'm a Utah now, but that Lone Star State has always got some pride in my heart. <laughs> Love it. And uh, Kendra, you're the CFO, correct? Yeah, I'm the CFO. So I moved to Utah when I came down here to go to BYU, and I haven't left since. So I've had the great opportunity of working for a lot of different e-commerce companies around here in the Valley, too. Um, most of my career was spent at Unique Products, makeup company. Um, and I was there at the beginning and was able to be a part of some of the growth, and it felt like I worked for 10 different companies while I was there. And I feel like that was kind of my introduction and love to e-commerce um, companies around the Valley. and so. I started having children and I kind of went into retirement for a couple years and just worked casually on the side and then I was introduced to Mads, Whitney and Tosh and started back up again at Ivy and believed in everything going on and dove head back head first in and back in full time and get to be the CFO with Mads now working and um, the growth has been phenomenal again. We joke that we've often worked for five different companies again in the last few years of how much we've grown and changed, but it's been a journey and lucky to be a part of it. Great. All right, we've hit on it a little bit, but let's hear the, the founding story of Ivy City because it's going to be fun and, uh, well, at least it's going to be fun to talk about. <laughs> Let's go back to 2015. Yeah, let's take it back. 2015, rewind things. So um, 2015, Natasha Thomas um, and Whitney Smith, best friends, they grew up here. They went to school together. They danced together. Um, after, after high school, they kind of parted ways to chase different dreams. Whitney decided she wanted to be a CPA, and she went and um, went through accounting programs, got her master's, got her CPA, and just dove right into that world. Um, and realized quickly that she felt a little bit out of sorts being at the office all day in her dresses and all of her frilly stuff and being super social. She's like, maybe I'm not an in-office accountant. Maybe I need to do something else. Meanwhile, her childhood best friend Natasha um, was doing hair, had a few children, and just had this burning in her that she wanted to connect with women in a deeper way. She wanted to get into the e-commerce business at the time. Um, boutiques were popping up everywhere. Um, fashion, social media was booming. It was a big conversation, and she wanted to be part of it and talk about it differently. So um, Tosh started the business with Whitney, um, and that was 2015. And they thought, let's just do something small and keep it casual. Like, let's never have employees. Let's just keep it us, have some fun, make some dresses. Um, and things changed, things changed. We have about 60 employees now, which is really, really exciting and very cool. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the kickoff. Do you want me to go deeper? Yeah, I wanna hear about like um, the first dress design and uh, where the first slug of inventory was kept and how you got from that to the next phase. Okay, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the beautiful. Um, okay, so they started the business. They were designing, and at first they were like, 
really nervous because MOQs um, with manufacturing facilities are, are high for a startup. So it's really hard for them to just right out of the gate, you know, like how can we find some cash and get it together to place orders? And they couldn't, you know, they're, they were in school or out of school, their husbands were in school, you know, they were living in apartments and they're like, we can't really fund this thing deeply. So let's start small. So they decided to start as more of a wholesale route boutique. So they would go to market where you could buy smaller amounts of inventory because it was realistically, realistic financially, felt attainable. So they started doing that, um, and after about a year or two, they realized, hey, like people like hearing from us, they like the clothes we pick, maybe we have a big enough audience now um, to manufacture. So that's when they decided to create their first dress. And at the time, um, they had little girls, and they wanted to make mommy and me dresses. And um, back then, it wasn't really a thing. Um, it was a big thing in the 90s to have matching mommy and me photos. I have pictures with my mom. They, they were not as cute, I will say. Um, but they're like, let's bring it back. You know, let's make it cool again and make really high quality dresses for little girls and moms to match. Um, and they started doing that. And they launched their first one and it sold out and it was a smash. And at that point, they realized, wow we have something different here, like how can we capitalize on it? And with their backgrounds in design and accounting, they just realized they didn't, they were missing like that marketing piece. Like how do we let everyone know about this product we made? You know, and that's kind of where I came in. So I'm, I'm third owner of the business um, and I came in about three years in. Um, they heard that I was doing a lot of marketing here with local businesses um, in Utah, especially women owned, women founded. It's a big passion of mine. And they asked to take me to lunch, and 24 hours later, I owned a third of the business, and we just never stopped running. Um, so from there, we were just like, let's go in. Let's like launch full collections, let's design, let's make more, let's connect with our customers on a personal way. And so we, we took the route of really leaning into social media marketing, working with influencers, you know, um, being really scrappy, like I'm staying up designing the emails, like we're on the bathroom floor like drawing pictures you know while the kids are screaming in the other room we're like we'll be there in five minutes you know we're just trying our best and it was so fun you know it was so fun in the beginning but we we hit our milestones and but we also hit you know roadblocks a lot of those and I always thought like as the business grows and the bigger it gets it gets easier and there's less roadblocks because you have a bigger team and like they can help handle it it's not true it's it's always hard but when you have your why in the back of your mind it's always worth it um, and so our little three-man team, you know, we were shipping out of Whitney's sister's basement. Um, it just started to grow. And, um, yeah, now, now we're making a lot of dresses. We're releasing every week. Um, we have been through three warehouses in the last three years. Um, we keep thinking it's going to last five years. So we have all these old leases. We're, like, subletting out and trying to toggle and manage. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a ride, and we love it. And it's just cool times. Yeah, it sounds like kind of a rocket ship uh, or a fast roller coaster, depending on your view. It goes upside down, for sure. All right, so um, if I was to say Serena Williams, red-eye flight, what would that mean? Okay, this is, okay, when you're a small company and you don't have the funds and all the resources, you just have to jump on opportunities when they arise. It was just a wild day for work, okay? We just hired our first office manager, her first day on the job. Um, so she's at the office. I get an email from a lead that says, hey, Serena Williams is doing a photo shoot tomorrow. She wants your dresses. Can you get them there? It's like 
2 p.m. And I'm like, how are we going to get him to Florida by tomorrow? And we're like making all these calls because we had already like missed the cutoff date for like overnight arrival. So we decide to ask our office manager to fly there and hand deliver it. We got the address. And I'm like, I know it's your first day on the job, Cammy, but, but like, this is going to be fun, okay? Like, it's going to be fun. We'll, we'll put you in a dress. We'll send you with the box. And she, like, took videos of the whole way. She's, like, on the flight with the box, like, next to her, like, seatbelt in. Um, flying to Florida, gets in a car, drives. We thought the address that we were sending her to was the stylist's home. It was Serena's house. She shows up. <laughs> with the box, like after like not sleeping, just driving with a smile on her face. And she like rings the thing and they're like, who are you? <laughs> like, this is a private residence. And we're like, I have a dress delivery for Serena. And we got it to her. And it's so cool because her and her daughter like wore the matching dresses and we got some press around it. And it was really cool and a big move for our brand. And it's just, you got to jump on the opportunities, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, when that happens, so she puts the dress on and yeah. takes some pictures and posts, there's probably a spike of new dresses, I would imagine. Yeah. So yeah. Well worth when it. things like that happen, we usually see a boost in sales, a boost in site traffic, followers, you know, but it's honestly just a boost in my heart. It was just a big <laughs> moment. Like, she's a, a legend, an icon, not only like as a sports person, but as like an investor she like believes in women in business and i think that was really cool that she like sought out a small brand yeah for sure um so along those lines uh question for you kendra as a cfo you have to like manage the the ups and downs of like too much inventory or not enough um how do you go about doing that well also to piggyback back off of mads everything that we've done over the last couple of years have been quite a roller coaster inventory especially um so with their journey of growth they very much took a nice and steady easy approach so as they started placing orders with manufacturers it was always minimal quantity things would sell out super fast and it was just nice and steady growth and that worked really well for a few years uh, able to manage all the profitability and everything was very very expected and we finally decided to just believe in ourselves a little bit more. And so it was in holiday of 2021, right? Yeah, um, that we finally said, let's just take a little bit bigger risk. Let's make orders a little bit bigger. Let's just see what happens. Let's make this holiday season bigger than ever. And let's just take a leap of faith. And we released the collection and by before Black Friday, everything was sold out. I think even before November 1st, everything was sold out. And it was kind of the first testament where we said, okay, we actually have momentum. We have an audience that wants our products. We've just been holding it back this whole time because we've been exclusively releasing. But we, because we've been doing it for so many years, that style, when we finally decided to turn on the inventory and basically make it be available to customers is when things just took off. So at the end of 2021, we started racking our brains. Kate, what have been all the best sellers over the last few years? What do we need to bring back that customers have been wanting but we've never given them the opportunity to have? So we started bringing back some of our iconic dresses and we call them our essentials, um, our Ivy essentials, and they really are. They're our best sellers, our classic silhouettes that we've been able to have Joanna Gaines wear and things like that, that or people like that, that we've seen the growth with. And so we released these in 2022 and the sales just continue to skyrocket. So 2022 was also a very big roller coaster of inventory management for us. Um, our, our orders started doubling, tripling, quadrupling. Our manufacturers, we had to keep up with them in quality because they weren't used to handling our volume either. So we were trying to expand manufacturers, 
trying to keep their quality in check, keep the demand in line with customers, still release new products, have the right balance of old products. Um, I wish I could say we got it perfectly right in 2022, but we learned a lot along the we way. We ordered too many. <laughs> we, um, we did order. We did order too much on um, in parts of the year, and but the thing that was also a blessing behind it is it was able to actually see the potential of what Ivy could do if we had inventory to actually sell, right? And so yes, we over we over ordered some in 2022, but it really gave us the boost in confidence. Um, to be able to continue to fuel other parts of the business, to be able to grow departments out, to grow processes out. And now this year, we've been kind of, inventory management has been a huge focus of ours. We've been working on with some really awesome consultants that have helped us. Um, we're managing things on a, you know, different attributes of a dress, print versus solid, sleeve length, length, like every, we're diving so much into the details, but we are able to do it because we had controlled our growth for so long and then let it loose. We had such great success that now we have the opportunity to come back and we have the customers, we have the following, we've had great opportunities with celebrities. Um, and it is really interesting because oftentimes we'll order a dress and it will get to an influencer. <laughs> Dang it, it sold out too fast because we didn't, we didn't anticipate that one going to an influencer. Um, or we've seen a sales spike and we're like, hey, who got a hold of that dress? Clearly some influencer or some celebrity posted that and then we'll dig and we'll find. Um, so that is definitely a challenge of managing inventory is that we can't always predict what real goes viral or what dress goes viral, but it is really awesome to be able to now take a step back because of our success and say, okay, what is driving sales? We, we know this specific part of a dress is what makes it popular. This silhouette of a dress, this neckline, um, and every detail affects it. So we're a lot more calculated now that, I, that I'd like to say we won't make. We won't well, go into deep. It used to be like, hey, do you like this dress? <laughs> yeah, what should we call it? I don't know, the Kendra. Cool, should we order like 200? Let's do 250, cool. That's how it went. And now it's like, we bring in a team and we spend hours like diving into the data and like market trends and it's just gotten a lot more polished, um, which when you're ordering larger amount of inventory and you have more employees that are depending on you for their livelihood, you know, to take care of their families, like you can't just guess anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you can't. And so it's not just a matter of getting smarter to make the sales better. It's getting smarter to take care of people better. Yeah. It has been really fun as we've been working on creating um, lines. They, one of the wonderful things that owners are that they do so well at is creating curated collections. So we do a holiday collection every year. That's our biggest collection. Then we also, they've curated a lover's collection that they released in January. And again, the reason for that collection was because historically January was always a harder month in sales, right? After Christmas, people don't really want to come back retail shopping. So they created this intentional line of very feminine, whimsical, florals, frilly dresses that are very, you know, and it created this demand. And so that, now this lover's collection is our second biggest collection of the year in January. And again, who, were to th who would think that you'd have the best sales in January following a holiday year when consumers are a little tired out, right? Um, and so it's really fun to be able to now take a step back, like she's saying, and be able to know exactly what is needed in a line to drive the success, um, what attributes what of a product, what the collection needs to look like, how deep to go. Some of them, yeah, we're still only ordering 200, but other ones we know we now have to order 5,000. So it's, it's very much trying to use the science to 
but all, I mean, we use science, but also there is still some, just some gut, you know, the owners, they, they know their customers, they are the customers. And so we're able to say if it's one where all three of them are, I have to have this dress. We kind of joke, we, H2H is our have to have dress. <laughs> That's an H2H. <laughs> yeah. So based on if they're like, Kendra, this is an H2H, we have to order this one. I'm like, okay, okay. I'll go back and figure out, you know, how much do we need to order? How deep, how does it comp against other dresses? But it's been I'd say that's probably been the biggest wild ride for us of 2022 into this year is managing inventory and figuring out how to do it correctly. Yeah, moving target to say the least. And we're obviously deep in negotiations for the Silicon Slopes collection. Uh, <laughs> we're going to we'll, bring in some camo just for you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we'll see how that, that all ro rolls out. <laughs> probably uh, the, the worst idea ever. Um, <laughs> there may be enough for it. Maybe. Um, Duck Dynasty, you know, just <laughs> tap into their LinkedIn, Instagram. Um, in the early days, I'd be interested to know, like, your, your words, not mine, sitting on the bathroom floor, kids yelling, designing dresses. How did you three all kind of divide up the division of duties? Who was going to do the marketing? Who was going to do the HR? Whatever it is, how did you guys figure it out? Yeah, it's a great question. I feel like there were some duties that were really clear. It's like, okay, Whitney accounting numbers that's her world she'll handle that you know my background's marketing i'll handle like the strategy here but there were some things that were as the business arose we didn't know like who's best suited for customer service who's best suited for negotiating lease terms you know and so it kind of was a matter of who has bandwidth and we all were learning you know and i think one of the greatest things we learned along the way was not being afraid to ask for help you know i i think it's easy to be like stubborn and and prideful like i can do this on my own i have i have the right ideas i have the right motivations but it's just so much faster to just ask someone who's educated on a topic so um the three of us you know we just are always out there trying to build relationships so if we had something like a lease term to negotiate we would reach out to people who might know someone have a conversation and tackle it. But to answer your question, really, it was a matter of bandwidth and, and divvying things out. And we still kind of have our roles that are similar to that. You know, marketing's my realm. But there's some things we always overlap in. Um, we always overlap in designing big hires for the company. You know, we always want to be aligned. And we kind of have always had like a two-thirds vote wins. Um, and Tosh and Witt always say it's so much easier now than it was just when it was just the two of them because it felt more personal when it's two people trying to make a decision when you have varying ideas. So having that third person, it kind of makes it less painful. It's like, hey, it was just two-thirds vote. Let's move forward and not drag it out. You know, We've had to learn a lot how to um, work together because we're under pressure all the time. Um, and trying to make big decisions that impact a lot of people is really scary. And it's been really a blessing to have a little team um, and have different expertise in the roles that we play uh, to bounce off of each other. Yeah, it is nice to just have that two-thirds final vote and you just move on. Uh, I assume that dress is part of your collection. This is one of our newest ones. It knocked it out of the park. And we unfortunately did not order big enough on this one. So <laughs> we're looking to restock it. But... This, this, is yeah, this is Ivy too. Don't discredit the power. We're expanding suit. beyond just nice dresses. Suit. It comes in children's sizes. It starts at 12 months. My little daughter, she's two, and she rocks this. She she wears a white one around the house sometimes, and she just looks. She just thinks she's so cool because she is. I love it. <laughs> so with that dress, I'd be interested from somebody's brain to some sort of drawing to it's shipping out to people. What is the process like? It might be. A loaded question, it might be a long answer, but if you could summarize that dress. 
I feel like there's two approaches to designing dresses. One approach is more data-driven, I feel like, where this is a silhouette we've had around before um, with some slight variations, and it's always done well. So we knew, okay, that's a silhouette we can rely on. Let's tweak it a little. Let's add pockets. Let's give a new print. Let's do a new fabric. But we know we can rely on it, so we're intentionally designing off of something that we've done before. Um, those are always the easier ones a little bit, a little safer. Um, and then the other half of it is entirely inspo from the owner's what they see in fashion and their brains, they'll often get take screenshots and be coloring a, over top of a screenshot to change the dress of what, you know, I want it to be this, I want it to be this, and we're sending pictures to our manufacturers. Um, so it can be, and then that one, those take a lot longer, I will say, with manufacturers. They don't necessarily catch the vision right away. It takes longer, more samples. Um, but when those get it right, those are the ones that fuel the growth even more of the company because they're the new ideas, they're the new products that customers really get excited behind. So those are the ones I think that are the most rewarding to see come to life and sometimes it takes three months to come to life and sometimes it takes over a year to come to life. And so like this power suit, I feel like we, um, you guys were talking about it for over a year and working on perfecting the sample and getting the fit right. And so again, when this one came, it was such a vision to be able to see little girls matching their moms in these power suits and um but it's been different every time so everything in between yeah yeah i feel like it starts with the concept right and usually we're designing for a season so right now we're designing for spring and summer next year and so we'll kind of hone in on that and we'll start with a mood board um like what's the look and feel like what's the photo shoot idea like we tried it we're trying to encapsulate the whole feeling from the first thought and then we'll sketch things out we'll um submit samples to manufacturers or sample, ma sample makers will make the samples and then we'll do a fitting at the office with the product dev team um, and then if it's perfect which is very rare we'll move to production usually it takes two to three samples to get it right um, and then it really passes over to Kendra's team the finance team to figure out how many quantities to order but you also have to think about the size break which is really tricky and interesting because we offer 24 sizes now um, in some styles starting at newborn up to women's 5x and when you're ordering say a thousand units um, you have to figure out how many get allocated to the size 4x versus a size 2t you know and it's it's really a scientific you know and that's when I'm like take it away like I'll keep designing um, and so they really are just honing in on data um, to make those decisions, submit the POs to the manufacturers, and then they will send um, off the line, like one from production, for us to get a final approval so we have enough time to make changes because sometimes things don't look exactly like the sample, like the, the weight of the fabric isn't how it's supposed to be, and so we'll make changes. We'll have um, fit models come in in a couple different sizes to try them on to make sure they're fitting different sizes properly and everyone's feeling good. Um, and then they send photo shoot samples, and we our amazing creative team, we go out and shoot, and usually I'm taking the pictures or our amazing team will help um, photograph it and then slides to the marketing department and they get everything prepped for email sends, SMS, you know, the collaborations team starts sending it around to influencers, like, do you wanna wear this? Um, it moves to the PR team to show um, celebrities, you know, and then it moves to the ads team once it's live, and the web team preps it on the site and writes the product description and loads the images at the right size, and um, our content creator makes reels of it that we try to push viral on TikTok and on Instagram, and so that's kind of like the journey, right? And then hopefully it sells out and it doesn't have to take the journey of, let's take it to markdowns, let's move it to the sale page, let's put it in a warehouse sale, you know, the, the product 
has this whole little adventure it goes on. I also feel like Mads is underselling herself and her creativity. Oftentimes, I think Mads will send us messages. It's like, I had the inspiration at 2 a.m. I just drew this new print. And she'll draw up prints and then send it to the manufacturers. And that will become the dress that's printed on a fabric. And so they, <laughs> it really is. Um, the, the tricky thing, I feel like, with the growth has been to let them be creative but not force it into a box. So it's like oftentimes her best creativity is in the middle of the night <laughs> and so she'll send it to us but um we're we're really trying to get organized to say yeah start with the mood boards get organized get all the inspo and then we'll take it from there but it's mads is hand drawing them and putting it together and the vision really comes to life from there so fantastic answer <laughs> i actually know how you guys like operate wonderful <laughs> so with uh the power suit um whose idea was it you I don't remember? remember. We have one brain. <laughs> it was a while ago. I don't know. Let's say Tosh. I Let's guess. say Tosh. Okay. Because I brought an idea to our, our team, and it was to have a Pinewood Derby at Silicon Slope Summit. And I got laughed out of the room, right? And so with these ideas that you guys have, like, I assume the person that has the idea has, like, a rooting interest at the tail end that it doesn't end up in the warehouse, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. That happens all the time, you know, and... And like right now there's a pajama set we've been working on for a while and like some people are really passionate about it on the team and some people aren't and so it's like a little bit about like just trying to figure that out and you can tell who's like who's the most passionate for sure about that one. And they're keeping a little scoreboard somewhere. <laughs> well, sometimes it does get a little risky though because you feel passionate about a dress and then it launches and if it flops you're like, ah, dang it, I shouldn't have liked that one. <laughs> or the other way around, like I told you, I knew that one would sell. So, uh... We're not keeping score, but sometimes it's fun. <laughs> For sure. Um, you guys obviously started with dresses, but a quick view of your website shows uh, stuff for kids and boys, right? Um, the process to like launch into those new verticals, what's that like? Yeah, that, that's been really fun for us. Um, and I think... I feel like the beginning of the process is always just stemmed from what do we want because we are a customer and, and with the boys stuff we're like hey we have a family photo shoot planned like it'd be cool if our husband and our kids like our little boys matched us too so it kind of came from selfish desires right um, but outside of that you know we've been pushing product expansion we just released tops for the first time and that comes directly from customer requests so a big part of what we do and who we are is our relationship with our customers we have a Facebook group um, with 15,000 people in there that's kind of like our focus group there are small or dedicated fans and followers sometimes critics you know um, and we we have open dialogue with them like we, we want to hear it all like tell us if you hated it, tell us if you loved it, tell us what we're missing, you know, and, and they're the ones that are asking for things like, hey, like, can you do more skinny ties instead of bow ties for the men's stuff this year? And, and I loved that top. Can you do one with long sleeves? What if you did pajamas, you know? And so it's really coming from them. That is a nice advantage to have, like loyal customers. And if it doesn't happen, let's just have thick skin. They can offer another recommendation. Yeah, my skin is not thick yet. I'm working on that. That's a, that's a hard thing for sure. Yeah. Talking about growth, um, you guys have gotten some growth uh, equity from Carp Riley. And uh, again, looking at their website, like a lot of brands are in line with what you guys do. It sounds like the consumers are similar. What was that process like for y'all? And ultimately, why did you decide to do it? 
Yeah, I'll speak to it a little bit. So Ivy City, you know, bootstrapped. We've been around for seven years, bootstrapped um, hardcore, you know, um, those first six years. And we never really knew what route we wanted to take as a business. You know, do we want to bring in partners one day? You know, what, what's the vision here? And we kind of always said if the right thing came along, like maybe we would, you know, toy around with the idea. And the right thing came along, and um, we were put in contact with a group called Carp Riley. They're based in Connecticut, and they're growth partners. They like to invest in small, um, passionate brands that are very, like, focused on the founders who are driving that passion, and, and they're very, very, like, small business pro, um, but to help scale them to mid-size and larger businesses. And we got in contact with them, I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago, and just started conversations. and. Every time we talked to them, it felt like our dreams were their dreams and things that we always wanted to accomplish, they had connections for. And, and you know, that was just really cool. And so it started casual and then quickly it turned into, hey, like, let's do something together. And it's been almost a year now that we brought on Carp Riley as um, minority partners, um, growth partners to help us grow and, and combine our forces and our connections. And it's been really cool. The best part about it, I would say, is the relationships we've made. Um, they have a network of consumer brands um, like us, other dress companies, other fashion brands, and also food. Um, they have a couple Utah brands, Zupa's, Cafe Rio, um, but mostly they're East Coast, West Coast um, food and fashion. And my favorite thing is they have open communication of all brands together. So just a couple weeks ago, I had a call with a marketing representative from like 40 different brands, and we all talked about AI, like how do we use AI in e-commerce? Um, and it's just been so cool and rewarding to talk to other founders, especially female founders, you know, trying to raise families, trying to run a business, run a business. Hey, like what program do you use for your returns platform? Hey, how are you getting shipping rates lower? You know, and it's just been this really cool family dynamic of growing together. And that was probably by design with, um, you know, Carp Riley. It sounds like a early, again, another nice advantage to have. Um, we're going to open it up for questions here in a minute, so we'll get the microphone ready and uh, get your courage up. Uh, I'm sure you'll have uh, some questions that I never would have thought of. Um, the showroom you guys have is kind of the, the next evolution, right? Um, we were talking a little bit before. I don't buy things online, rarely. If I ever do and it comes broken, then I, that's my fault, right? Like, I don't return it. Um, but having the, the storefront and the ability to actually see people's reactions and, and talk with them face-to-face, -face, how's that been? So the showroom actually started as an operational ease. <laughs> um, we decided, we are like, you know what, we should just offer local, local pickups. Maybe people wouldn't want to pay shipping and they just want to come pick it up at the front of our warehouse and maybe they'd want to come return it for free here and then we wouldn't have to pay for their shipping back. And we thought, okay, let's just have a cute little desk and have someone sit up there and handle customers that come in. And before we knew it, they were coming in. Can I try on other dresses? Can I try on other ones? And we're like, okay, we just, we've got to make this more retail friendly. So we started operating it like a showroom. Um, it's kind of because all of our inventory was in the back. We treated it kind of like a shoe, shoe store where a customer would say, I want to try this one on. Great. I actually want to buy it now. Then we'd go get one from the back and sell them one from the warehouse. Um, and pretty soon we just saw fantastic success. And again, it's at the front of our warehouse in 
like an industrial park basically in Sandy. It's not even a retail location. And we started seeing the success and it's been really fun to be able to meet the customers. We've had customers flying in from across the country to come meet the owners, to come see Ivy, come just be there. Um, customers that fly in to do local meetups with other customers, they'll come meet at the showroom, they'll create content together. Um, it's just been really fun to have this gathering spot. And again, to see the success of something where we were like, okay, hey, let's just operationally try it and see if it helps. And again, our community backed it and our community supported us. And so now again, it's opened up other opportunities and dreams for us where we've talked about, okay, hey, what if we have a real retail location that's not just a tiny little, I mean, it's not big, but it, it does great. And so we're like, we, again, we want to keep growing this opportunity for customers to come in, feel Ivy, feel the dresses, see what they're like, try them on. Um, and the retail or the showroom place has just been something that's been able to fuel that and, again, give us confidence to keep growing and expanding. It's funny, though, because the showroom originally wasn't really meant to be a showroom. So it was like this open space. And then we had our main conference room with glass. So when we had meetings in Without there, even any frosting, no frosting. on it. <laughs> so when, open. when people came in, like they could see us, we could see them. And it was fun because we got to jump out and meet our customers all day and hug them. But also like sometimes their children came in and you'd be in a very serious meeting and there's a child licking the glass top to bottom and like pushing their face against it like this. And we're just like, yeah, <laughs> you know, um, so it, it's just always so funny. We had, it was like our design studio too, our conference room design studio workspace. It was our everything. Again, we were outgrowing that warehouse and it was all we had. So we had the whole conference room lined with racks entirely and all the samples of things in development. And so these customers actually started catching the idea that this was where dresses were being produced. So they would come in again, we'd be in a meeting and we'd see them out there like taking a picture of us in the room with the dresses. And then we'd see the picture show up online of a dress hanging on a rack. So you literally see like a sliver of the fabric and they're circling. Is it this dress? Is it this dress? And so it was always so funny. We had to start being a little careful. We're like, okay, we have to, we have to be aware of what we're showing in this room, <laughs> what we're broadcasting, um, because it will get out there to the community. And it was, it was very entertaining. Again, just part of the journey of outgrowing that space and the fun that's come from that showroom. We, we miss it. Now it's actually our dressing rooms. We have like in the conference room, there's, how do you, what do you call them? Um, they're like shower. Yeah like round anyway those are our dressing rooms in the conference room so again it's it's been fun to see the evolution of it that's kind of a recurring word is fun i know it hasn't all been fun but what you guys are just describing sounds amazing and uh, i'm sure there's a lot of smiles um let's open it up for questions raise your hand don't be shy right up here in the front please <coughs> thank you um during your growth phase in the initial first years, was there a single tool or resource that you would say was irreplaceable? You would not have grown without that. Kendra. <laughs> um, no, seriously, she's amazing. But um, yeah, I feel like marketing was everything. I feel like that's you know, we had to be scrappy because I said earlier we didn't have funding or anything. It was just we didn't pay ourselves salaries for the first several years. It was just, you know, sweat equity. And so what could we do with our time was how we grew the business. And what we decided to do was design and market. So we just DM'd every, like, small influencer, big influencer, anyone with big mommy me communities and just got really scrappy, like get our dresses out there. So like we just invested in distributing the dresses to as many people that we thought would like it as possible in hopes that they would like it enough to share it. 
And I feel like that, I feel like influencer work and using social media was the biggest tool for launching us. I think I'd also add to that is Mads has always done a really great job putting an emphasis on building a community around the brand. And there was so much time in the early years spent building this Facebook community and building this Instagram community. Like so we call them our insiders. Um, that for a very long time, we didn't spend any money in ads. And so while we were ordering our minimum quantities and everything was selling out, this was done without paying for Instagram, Facebook ads. It was entirely driven behind this community that found the brand and loved it and were diehard customers in a good way. And so then when the time came that we actually gave more inventory and started spending on ads, we had already taken the time to build the foundation that everything else propelled itself forward. So it was worth the time and investment to build the community through social media um, with the customers that then once we were ready, it just fueled the entire fire. Cool. Uh, right there, we'll just stay right there. How many years was it maybe between the founding idea and then when you guys were actually off the ground where you felt like you were everyone was getting salaries and you could actually start hiring people? I would say like four years or three. What would you say? Well, let me think there. You guys started in 2015. We kind of say like Ivy was truly born in 2018 yeah. because that's when they started designing exclusively and it was no longer like in Utah. You could go to every boutique and see the same dress. That was when they started saying, no, this is exclusively Ivy's dresses. So in 2018, and again, this whole time, though, they grew very steady and very profitable, very profitable the whole time. Um, that was always a big priority is to stay profitable amongst the growth. And so it was intentionally controlled. So I'd say probably 2018 to 2020 was still pretty steady, very minimal staff, mostly just people picking in, in the warehouse. Um, and then in 2021, I feel like when we started getting a lot more big hires to help. And again, that's when we decided to start ordering. So it was controlled for a couple of years before we think we were willing to let it go. <laughs> it was definitely not yeah. an overnight thing. That's no. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Over there in the corner. Are you guys able to stick around for a few minutes for those that didn't get the courage up? Okay. I have two questions if I can sneak them in. Who sets trends? How do you forecast against those trends? And then what technology did you implement that helped your business? Okay, so like, how do we identify trends? Is that what you're saying, essentially? Yeah, who sets the trends? How do you identify those okay. trends? Who sets the trends is like an, I, I feel like it's a tricky question because uh, I just feel like the internet is a force. But um, there's a couple of things. So we, are, we keep a tight pulse on everything in pop culture, um, influencers, ourselves, like what we're seeing in other stores, you know, but um, we want to be ahead of the trend, right? Not just like catching it as it's happening. And so there are some resources out there. It's like when um, you'll see like Fashion Week going, they're kind of like distributing trends in advance. So you can kind of pay attention there. But also it's been really interesting when you're talking about tools. So there's a local company called Particle. And I don't know if anyone's familiar, but we use them, um, friends with them, and it's been really interesting because it kind of helps give you an inside scoop to what type of inventory is moving um, for other websites 
around the country, around the world, and it's been really eye-opening. Um, what colorways, what fabrications, you know, are really taking off. And so we pay attention to that, you know, but it's really important to us to be original and always doing our own thing. And so it's kind of like taking this data from tools like Particle and um, watching trends and then just seeing what's in shows and movies and what we personally are liking and wanting, combining it all and then making an Ivy twist on it so it's never been seen before. And as far as technology, I'll add a little bit more to that. I feel maybe this isn't the most popular answer to <laughs> share, but I feel like we've also been maybe a little bit more intentionally slow on adopting some technologies um, because we've been focusing on getting people and getting processes and structures set up that I feel like if you don't have the people to support the technology, then it's not worth doing the technology yet. And so, um, like I said, we've great things like particles helped a lot with product development. We've kind of taken it department by department of when that department is ready to handle a software to help them. And so I think even this year is where we've been able to start getting a lot more going and in place. Like I'll just say, for example, um, Asana has been a massive tool for us this year in keeping us organized in the product development timeline um, of getting things, keeping things on track, getting it from design to manufacture to land it in the warehouse. Um, but we have we maybe haven't been as quick to adopt some of the technology as some other companies have because we've been again also holding on for dear life through our growth last year that now it's get the people on board look at what the best tools are that are going to help help us grow that's not necessarily a fix right this moment but it's the fix that we need as we're looking forward for our growth so if that answers it All right back there so you spoke earlier about uh, using ai in your marketing. Could you speak a little bit more about how you plan on using AI in your marketing? Yeah, this is this is an ongoing discussion and trying things out, but a couple things. Um, first of all, we've already put a little bit into place. Um, we use a we use a software called Gorgeous for all of our customer service management. All of our tickets come through it and everything. And they released um, some AI features this past year that we've implemented directly to our website that kind of help predict what the customer would want to purchase and be interested in. And it pops up a customer service chat bot recommending them products based on user behavior. So that, and then that actually has shown like a very visible increase in success. Um, so that's one we're already using. but. Other things we're trying to do, there's so many different realms. So SEO, there's a lot of AI tools out there um, that we're looking into. Um, product development, I mean, even using like ChatGBT has been interesting, like asking questions like, we want to offer gift wrap in our retail location with our custom prints on it for the holiday season. So I'm asking ChatGBT, where can I find manufacturers, you know, that that create gift wrap? And it's like shoots me 10. And I'm like, this used to be so hard. <laughs> Um, I don't know if they're going to be the right match, but it's just interesting how easy it is to, to reach resources that felt impossible before. Um, and then there's, there's other things like virtual dressing rooms, using AI information online, and there, there's a lot. I feel like we're just now entering this, yeah. this world, and so we're still, every week, we're like, I just learned about this new one. Is this the time to do it? Are we ready for this? Because, um, yeah, we've talked about dressing, virtual dressing rooms a lot, actually. Um, to see if it could help get customers the right fit the first time. Anyway, um, but we are talking about it every week to see like what the next greatest like thing is. To, it's, right? it's evolving so fast. Yeah, you have to adapt. Mine is a continuation. So how do you select your manufacturers? Maybe that's something you could talk more about. 
Yeah, um, it's a process, right? Because we have really high standards for quality and not just that, but how our manufacturers take care of people. Fair trade, fair labor like is, is good, but we want to see above fair. That's the standard we have. And so it's not just a matter of who can make this, it's a matter of who can make it in a very positive way. And so usually what we do is we, at this point, manufacturers re reach out to us because we have a presence. And so we just will sample with them and get information. But before that, it was hard because we didn't have a following. Like, how do you find someone to make your dresses, you know? And so Whitney and Tosh went to Vegas and there was like a sourcing department and no one spoke English. So they went down there until they could find someone that spoke English. And they're like, can you make dresses? And she's like, yeah. And so that's how it started. And fortunately, that, that panned out. And she's amazing. She lives in China. And it's a crazy story, if anyone wants to hear it later. But um, basically, she ended up leaving the company she was at to start her own women-founded manufacturing facility in China, which is super rare over there. She had to go through her boyfriend at the time to get like basically the loan because they wouldn't give it to her as a woman um, to start her own business. And it's cool because we started together and we were each other's first clients. And now like she's still our top manufacturer. And, and that's just so special that we've, we've like had this camaraderie and built women businesses globally, but it's hard. And there's a website called import Yeti that um, you can get a little account and type in um, bigger brands, usually not small shops, but like bigger brands, and it will kind of show you where their imports are coming from, like cities and manufacturers. So that's a little trick you can try. Thank you for talking about your experience about jumping all in and just taking the leap in those moments. Um, I also acknowledge the temptation to go with stability and scalability by giving up equity early on. Is there any insight from your experience or guidance that you would share around that? Can you ask, give me a little bit more. Are you saying like as far as when the company went all in on something? In regards to more of giving up equity in your company early on um, in return for um, capital. Um, so I would say because they, the owners worked so hard for so many years to be so, well, basically to control the growth, to stay on top of everything so well, that it came a point in time where we said, okay, we want to grow. We know there's the demand. We know we have the potential. We finally believe in ourselves. We know the customer's there. Like the timing, everything honestly just fell into place at the same time. And it was again, same time they convinced me to come all in too. And everything kind of fell into place that it was the stars aligning that this was the year for Ivy. And with inventory challenges too, we said, okay, well, we know if we want to actually grow at a 4X rate, you can't do it without extra funding. And so we knew if we were going to make that jump, we had to find partners too that we wanted to be partners with. And so it was kind of, it was so many conversations layering in with each other of deciding when the right time to do it was and when, what the right inventory was to do it with and how to do it. And I'm not sure I can give much more to answer than just to really say the time and effort that was put forth before all came to play that when the stars aligned, we knew it was the right partner. We knew it was the right time. And again, we've been so lucky and so blessed to have them as our partners. Um, the benefits that they've brought to us and even just the confidence that they give us. I feel like the dreams that we talk about every single week, we have so many dreams and so many things that we want to do. And they always are like, yes, yes, yes. And the only thing they'll say to us sometimes is say, okay, 
just slow down a little bit. You guys, you guys are running faster than you can. You don't have enough bandwidth. Maybe pick like top three priorities for just the next month, and then we'll talk about the next one. Um, and so again, it was just the stars aligning for the perfect partners for us, um, and us making the decision that we had to at some point take a leap of faith and believe in ourselves to order bigger, to know that we needed external funding if we were going to support a growth at that rate. Because um, obviously you can't support, you know, you can't change your cash flow and change your timing of growth of something that drastic without external funding of some kind. And so it was us deciding that it was the best time and that they were the best partners to support the dreams of where Ivy wanted to go then, but also wanted to go in the next five years, 10 years from now. So um, it all aligned. As one of the primary owners too, I'll just say like it was really hard because you know I'm just like a small business startup mentality like this is my baby I don't want to share it with like you know I don't want to divvy it out that was really hard but the only reason it felt right to me was because I think back to our why and like our mission and we just want to connect with as many people around the world as possible to help them feel like they're part of our story and that they can feel beautiful. And, and I know it seems like it's just dresses, but the stories we hear and the relationships we build, it's bigger. There's a major need for confidence. There's a major mental health crisis. And it's maybe, yeah, it's just a dress, but for some people, it's the first time they felt beautiful in years. And it's the first time they felt confident to go out for that job interview. And they have like something cute to wear that feels like them, you know, like it's so much bigger and being able to partner with the right group it's just helping us extend that offering and connect with more people. And that's really why we're doing this is for human connection. And so if we can do more of that and do it with partners that believe in it, like, yes, it was just yes. And I think one of the things that I, I can't remember, I think maybe it was one of the, um, Natasha's husband that had said early on when I had met him, he said one of the best pieces of advice I ever gotten, and so I'll also pass on that one of, I feel like, the best things that we've lived by is we've said, um, hire people that are better than you, and when you don't know something, don't be afraid to say that you don't know it. And so I feel like we've lived by that a lot the last year and a half, where we've not been afraid to say, I don't know how to do that right now, or I'm going to need more help. And so, like Mads, to be able to support the vision and the dreams, we knew that we needed extra help. Like, we were, there was only so much that we could do with just the few bodies that we had that to support the dream we had to have help we just needed the right help and so we didn't didn't let the pride get in the way of just knowing there's people that are better than us that can help us and help us along the way and as long as the dreams are in line and the vision is in line then it's it's really magical and very easy well said um so apart from the silicon slopes camo bow tie um, <laughs> what is uh your favorite we'll start with you Madeline. um dress and or product that you guys have ever created? Oh my gosh. It depends on the day. So, I mean, today, um, probably the tea party dress, we call it, it's pink with floor all over it because it's the first one I matched with with my daughter and it just made my work really personal. All right. Kendra? I guess mine's also throwing it back. My favorite of all time is not even one we've ever brought back before. So it was a one-time release, but it's called the Etta. It was my first dress ever um, that I picked when, when I started. And it's just, it's meant a lot to me to also just of like the timing of when I believed and came a part of, became part of Ivy. Um, and again, it's just the confidence that you have in it. It was the first one I wore with family pictures with my daughter too. And so it's just a special dress. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, what a journey. Congrats to you both and your team. Um, 
it's awesome that you guys are here in this ecosystem and uh, best of luck going forward. I don't think you'll need it, but uh, best of luck. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you guys. <laughs>